the biggest sports stories of the week. So he's not going to leave Jordan Love, the covered bear for Jordan Love. We know that. He's, he's going to look out for his guy. So uh, I, Kyle, Kyle liked that. Kyle, Kyle. That was funny. That was funny. What? I'm serious. Unique and compelling analysis and opinions when it comes to your favorite team. What would happen if Brian Gutekunst sat up at a press conference and said, I made a mistake. Plus some fun with pop culture. So you had never needed to stop for dinner at Magic City like Lou Williams did? I mean, does anybody actually believe he just he chose that just for dinner? Like, does he think that's working? This is Sunday Karma. The, the yeah. unibrow, like, because I'm kind of like Bert. <laughs> like, when, like, if I don't get the, the eyebrows done, I just have one eyebrow, pretty much. <laughs> But since COVID, I haven't had any of that. Now, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All Studios at Radio City, alongside his precocious daughter, Harper, here's GKB founder and CEO, Craig Carmison. We get to say something that sounds as good today as it did in 1974. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to the NBA Finals. Phoenix, here we come. How about this? 47 years waiting and the Bucks are back in the NBA Finals for the third time in franchise history. Ted Davis last night on the Bucks Radio Network. Game was heard right here on 94.5 ESPN. I'm Gabe Grunt Knight, so I guess I'm your cousin sub of the day for Craig Carmazin. I, I still don't, I don't know if it's sunk in yet. It's like one of those really surreal feelings. Like the Bucks are in the Finals. The Bucks have made it to a place that professionally in my lifetime, only the, the Green Bay Packers have been. And in terms of the other major players in the state, there's only one other team that's played for a, t- a title, made it to that final round. That's the Wisconsin Badgers in 2015 when they played in the national championship game against Duke. It just hasn't completely sunk in because they've done it without Giannis. And it's not like we don't have Craig Karmas in today here on Sunday Karma because we do. He was in Atlanta last night watching Game 6 as the Bucks punched their ticket. Craig, what was it like being there in Atlanta watching a team that you are a minority owner of punch their ticket to the final step of the NBA postseason in the finals? Okay, we're uh, having some technical issues with uh, with Craig Carmazin. Uh, hopefully, we we connect with him sooner rather than later. Um, but it's it's just an, an, an unbelievable feeling. Eight hundred nine nine zero thirty seven seventy six. If you want to join the program, um, and and Craig uh, being in Atlanta, like what is that? What was that to watch the team that you? have seen like you've you've been in Milwaukee for a long time you became a minority owner when the, when the new ownership group came in and you've had your floor seats for 5 6 years whatever it's been and now you get to be there in game 6 like what's that feeling like watching them punch their ticket to the NBA finals All right we're having some technical difficulty again we'll uh, we'll figure it out with uh, with Craig Carmazin Sooner rather than later. Uh, 800-990-3776. What went through your mind watching that game last night? Today should be a celebration, and it 100% is a celebration. It's going to be a celebration not just because it's July 4th, but it's a celebration because the Bucks, as you heard that call from Ted, it is the first time in 47 years that the Milwaukee Bucks are in the NBA Finals. And they did so, winning the final two games of that series without their star player. And who knows what happens with Giannis? I mean, I know we're all hopeful that he's going to end up playing. But I I just can't 
I still just can't wrap my brain completely around this. It's just a different feeling. It's just a different feeling when I've seen the Packers go to a Super Bowl. And I don't I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Like it's just so real. It's like I'm not I'm still not sure if it completely happened. Did Chris Middleton actually score 23 points in the third quarter, pushing the Bucs to a huge lead? Did Drew Holiday get to the rim? Did P.J. Tucker hit that three that pretty much put things away in the fourth? Craig, being in Atlanta, what was it like watching yeah. the team you're a minority owner of clinch a spot to the finals? Let's see if uh, the third time's a charm. Can you hear me this time? <laughs> I've, I've got you, buddy. Okay, great. Um, so it, it was amazing. You know, I went to college in Atlanta and went to so many games at the Omni and then Phillips Arena that were, you know, half empty, no atmosphere, no juice. Um, Then moved to Wisconsin, where as a huge NBA fan, after, you know, that amazing, you know, George Carl early 2000s run, I found myself watching games on League Pass rather than going to the Bradley Center for basketball because I, I legitimately felt it was a better product. And all of a sudden, when the team was for sale, you know, I was telling people, you know, maybe this team is better off in Las Vegas. There's not much of a fan base. There's, uh, there's so many other teams ahead of, uh, of the Bucks, And I don't know that there's an appetite to build an arena for this team. And if they don't have an arena, there's not going to be a team in Milwaukee. And so to go from there to uh, being able to be fortunate enough uh, to turn my mindset around to say, hey, I want to be part of the group that uh, you know, tries to do this and tries to keep the team here, to be fortunate enough to get to be part of that, and then to see a team 15 and 67, right, uh, the worst team in the NBA, who, if you think about it, the one big-time pick, right, the number two pick of the draft, which in the NBA, if you're in a small market, There's no way you're going to build a championship-level team unless you get every single pick right. And Jabari Parker is not even part of this team, nor is anything that was acquired for him. So to think that this team in this market has been built this way and to see it done with guys stepping up with Giannis out, you know, when so much was made of, you know, is this a one-man team? And, you know, is Chris Middleton really able to be a two? And all of the stuff that these guys have heard over the years. And to see guys who you just feel so good about. And you mentioned it, P.J. Tucker, who I was so excited for. I sent a text to Wes Edens on January 31st that said, if we can get P.J. Tucker, we will be Eastern Conference champions. And uh, a month and a half uh, later, we got P.J. Tucker, and now being Eastern Conference champions after he hits one of his seven three-pointers, but it was the one that we really needed. Uh, just It feels incredible. How much did you get to participate in the celebration? Being uh, there? None. Uh, oh, none? No, I mean, I was... You didn't get to, no, like, no, you tell no, me I, you couldn't wander out onto the floor? Like, hey, I'm a co I'm big time. I'm Mo. People know me. I wandered onto the court after everything was all done, so I didn't... I didn't even think to get a credential for the game. So I was sitting up with, uh, with friends and uh, when the game ended, I shot a text and ended up getting down onto the court. But by the time I got onto the court, the uh, ceremonies were over, everything was done. And, you know, I pretty much experienced it like any other fan who would have been out there. And it was, you know, it was electric. The Hawks fans were loud. They have an amazing uh, game presentation and, 
uh, you know, the hip hop culture of Atlanta. And, you know, it, it really was incredible to be there, but I experienced it like any other fan. And I think anyone who's like traveled with the uh, Badger road game or a Packer road game, you know, it's pretty fun to win on the road. And, uh, and seeing that Chris Middleton third quarter, you know, I didn't think anything could compare to the Chris Middleton fourth quarter in game three. And I still think that may have been even like, like a, a more like, you know, kind of signature performance in a weird way. But this third quarter was just, uh, you know, it was incredible. A guy who had five points and five turnovers in the first half, no Giannis to fall back on. And he comes out and does that in the third quarter. Just incredible. I think I just have to accept that Chris Middleton's always going to be underrated, Greg. Like, I feel I've been fighting the good fight on Chris Middleton forever, and now this is the third time he has scored 20 points in a quarter in a playoff game, yet there's still somehow a narrative out there that he doesn't come through in the playoffs, doesn't come through in the clutch, and if you're just going to sleep on Chris Middleton, that's your own fault at this point, because the dude was unbelievable. Like, once he hit the first shot, you're going, okay. Then he hits the second one. It's almost like a heat check. Like, okay, I made the first one feeling good. He hit the second one, it's like, okay. Good luck. Good luck in the next five minutes stopping this guy because we've seen this in the playoffs when he just gets supernova hot. Well, but Gabe, let's remember, um, if Kevin Herter doesn't miss that wide-open three, Trey Young throws a behind-the-back pass to Herter. It's a little off-target, but Herter has all the time in the world. If Herter makes that shot, we would have had our first lead change since game, since game uh, three of this series. Games four, five, and six. There was not a single lead change in the series. The Hawks had cut the lead to two, and Herder misses that shot. Middleton then comes, takes it to the hole over two guys for a layup. Then I don't know how he gets just that wide open uh, baseline three, you know, for his second. Then, as you said, the heat check started. It was eight. Then he hit that lefty bank and one uh, to make it 11. Uh, hits another two to go to 13. Then Trey Young hits a three. But then Chris answers it with another three. So 16 points for Middleton um, in a row for the Bucks. And I, I think the more Chris is, has these big-time moments, the more people see how boring he is in interviews. And I think the less interested people are in him around the country. <laughs> so I think he's going to continue to – I mean, if you think about it, there's no shoulder shrug. There's no memorable Chris Middleton celebration that we have from this Eastern Conference Finals. And I think if it was any other player in the NBA, there would be that. I think if you have to look back to this postseason, you'd probably go back to game one of the first series when he hits the shot, you know, uh, to give the Bucks the win over the Miami Heat. And he, you know, leaps uh, in celebration with his teammates uh, on the sideline there. I mean, that's his signature celebration moment. He's just not about that stuff, right? He's about buckets, and he's about playing defense, and he's about rebounding. And that's what this whole team is. I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, Drew Holiday, nine rebounds, nine assists. Pat Connaughton, eight boards. P.J. Tucker. Like, this is a team that can grind. And Bobby Portis, you know, just being Bobby Portis. I mean, just such a fun team. And there was no point last night. I didn't even mention Brooke Lopez once, right? The guy scored 33 points in game five. <laughs> so, you know, at no point of that game were you thinking, like, you know, the Bucks don't know where to go for offense. At no point did you not feel like Drew Holiday couldn't get to the basket if he needed to get to the basket. And, you know, there was a lot made that Drew Holiday was acquired just to keep Giannis, right, at the time. Like, hey, 
They needed to go all in because they needed to keep Giannis and three first round picks and pick swaps and all that. And at the time, you know, what I said was, you know, if you're going to be an elite NBA team, those first round picks are really not even as valuable as those early second round picks. And if you believe you have a two way player who can switch, who can go on to John Collins at times, I mean, Drew Holiday and what he has meant to this team is just, you know, unbelievable. We're reacting to the Bucks clinching their first NBA Finals berth since 1974. More with Craig Carmerson coming up next, Sunday Karma. You're listening to Sunday Karma with Craig Carmerson on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Middleton with a three-pointer. It's a good again. Unbelievable shooting by Middleton. A 23-point third quarter. 81-66. Bucks are going to the NBA Finals. Game one is coming up on Tuesday. This is Sunday, Karma 94.5 ESPN. Uh, Craig Carmerson joining us on the phone. I'm Gabe Neitzel. And before we continue to talk about, you know, what's next for the Bucks and the Suns and, and the NBA Finals matchup, I also think it's important to talk about Pfizer Forum. You mentioned it, and, and the ownership group came in. They had to build it and everything that's gone on around them. Because the Deer District, they estimated 25,000 people were there last night for Game 6. Um, and that was such an important part, it seemed, of, of the whole piece of the puzzle. When the ownership group came in, and now you're a part of that as a minority owner, Craig, when that ownership group came in and, and Wes Lasry, excuse me, Wes Edens, Mark Lasry came in, they also talked about wanting to help revitalize downtown. And what the Deer District has done has kind of been the center of that, um, of, of downtown kind of coming back in Milwaukee. Now you've got the restaurants, and I was there at Mecca uh, filling in for Scalzo and Brust on Thursday. And just, to me, that's a cool piece of it, of not only are the Bucks back, but the city of Milwaukee is, is working its way back as well. And to see 25,000 people packed in and around Pfizer Forum last night was a really cool piece of this and, and such of a big part of the overall picture that the ownership group painted when they bought the Bucks, you know, uh, five, six years ago. Yeah, I mean, Wes and Mark, it's really almost too good to be true in terms of what they have done and what they have meant to this city, right? Two guys who had never been here before and... All of a sudden, we're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to commit to building this arena, which no one believes could really happen. Herb Cole deserves credit and uh, a ton of credit, both in how he sold the team and the extra money that he donated, $100 million to, uh, you know, to get the arena built. But then these guys were so committed. Peter Fagan, president of the team, so committed to getting this building built. And I remember when we had a, a, an ownership meeting where they talked about the Deer District and how it was next. And a bunch of uh, people started asking, well, what's the return on investment on this? What's the, and you know, and I think at the time it was Wes Edens who just stopped him. And I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly, but this is like how Chewy goes off the record, uh, you know, on Sunday <laughs> karma. So we can go off the record. And he said, here's the deal. Like we didn't just build this uh, arena to build this basketball team. We said from the beginning, this is about not just Milwaukee, but the region and we're going to build this. So, whether there's a great business model or not, we're going to build uh, this deer district. And they did it. And, you know, you think about through COVID and through, um, you know, no revenue coming in, you know, no fans in the stands, you know, all this stuff that, you know, this group, again, who had no connection to Wisconsin, 
before now. And, you know, the commitment they've shown, the follow-through, the investments they've made in players, the investments they've made in facilities, the investments they've made, you know, uh, across the board to make this a championship program that Drew Holiday, you know, Drew Holiday was here for half a year, and he committed long-term at a discount to stay in Milwaukee. When does that happen with elite stars, right? That's like, like if CC Sabathia, you know, had, you know, had committed to Milwaukee after he had, uh, you know, had that amazing run with the Brewers. I mean, so now you have Chris Middleton and then Giannis and now Drew, who've all committed to the city. And that doesn't happen without, you know, what all started with Wes and Mark. And, and that's the other thing, too, especially with Drew. For Drew to not only commit by signing that contract, but then to commit dollars, his that you know, donating salaries and, and helping out local charities, and it just seems like there's been a, a connection between the community and this team that we didn't see before. And clearly, I mean, we're going to an NBA Finals, so that you know, that connection between fans and and team is always is going to be strong if if you're a team going to the finals. But it was there before that, and it, I just feel like there's a connection between the Bucks. And well, th- their fan base that wasn't there in 2005. That. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't give it credit as being a connection. I have to give credit to who these players are as people, right? Like Chris Middleton's going to neonatal units because he knows what nurses uh, dealt with for when his child, you know, was born prematurely and how great they were. So on his own time, he goes and visits and drops things off and, and takes care of people. You know, we know, you know, all the behind the scenes things that Giannis does. The fact that Drew Holiday, who, you know, COVID was going on, he hadn't even had the chance to experience Milwaukee yet and was already donating to tons of uh, locally owned, you know, minority businesses. I mean, these are really, really high character guys on this team. And, you know, you, you never want to, you know, say, oh, this is a good guy. That's a bad guy. But the, the character of this team is a big part of, I think, what people are falling in love with. Uh, the other thing is the word team. I mean, every single player last night, you can name a moment for every single player who stepped on the court. Coach Bud's loyalty to Jeff Teague was paid off. Bryn Forbes hit a big shot. Pat Compton had just a flurry of huge moments. I mean, it, it really was amazing how everyone you know got on the court impacted things. How do we now as a fan base, Craig? Because I, like I said, this this whole thing is still surreal. And the one thing that I've heard, just kind of, and the way I've talked about it, the way we're talking about it, it almost seems like they've reached the end. But it's not the end. Like they've just reached that final step, and it's been so long since a non-Packers team in the state has gotten to play for this opportunity to actually win a championship. Like, this isn't the end goal. Like, they still have a really good chance to bring home the Larry O'Brien and then have a parade in Milwaukee, and I'm trying to fight as a fan. How do I get out of this mentality and just, okay, we've won it. It's awesome. I'm so excited. We're no, in the finals. don't get out of that mentality. No, don't get out of that mentality. I mean, this has been so hard and so long, and it is so difficult to get to this place where this team got. You know, since you don't have to prepare, you're not playing – you literally can enjoy this until Tuesday <laughs> because there's, <laughs> there's, there's no reason to do other on a holiday weekend to celebrate that the Milwaukee Bucks are Eastern Conference champions, that Brooklyn was able to bring together Kyrie, James Harden, and Durant. 
that Boston, we thought, was going to have years and years of draft picks and, you know, and a base of Tatum and Brown and Kemba Walker. And when they brought Horford in and the Sixers, the number one team in the conference and all of these, you know, larger markets, larger cities, teams that can afford to go into the luxury tax, you know, and nobody has done it better than John Horst on a dollars per win basis of any elite team. And you know what? I think that's why you got to just enjoy it. You know, the once Tuesday comes, obviously uh, everyone's going to be locked in and figuring out how this team can beat the Suns. But uh, I mean, what a great, you know, holiday weekend gift the Bucks just gave us. Okay. So then what's been your favorite moment during the run? Do you have a single moment that sticks out more than any other one during this run? You know, the, I think the moment for me is the, and it's, you know, it, it's become an ongoing moment is this Bobby Portis love affair that the fans have. <laughs> I mean, I was in a, the most hostile of hostile environments, and probably 10 or 11 times during the game, you would just see Bobby Portis looking up from the bench to try to figure out who was chanting Bobby, Bobby, you know, <laughs> inside uh, State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. And I think the reason I love the Bobby Portis story so much is he did not play in the last three games of the Brooklyn Nets series. And you did not hear one time him say, you know, I should be in the game, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And what all you've heard him say is this is the best decision of his career that he made to come to learn how to play, to learn how to act off the court, to be around this team. And I just think Wisconsin overall connects with someone like that. And, you know, we hear so many times when athletes, you know, don't do the right thing when they feel like they're being mistreated. And Bobby Portis just, you know, ultimately was that ultimate team guy. And every time he steps on the court, he has that edge to him. So I think uh, Bobby, Bobby is the thing that sticks out to me most from this run, uh, despite uh, all of these amazing uh, performances we've seen. Uh, Before I let you go, Craig, quite possibly the most important question I'll ask you all day. Uh, You are in Atlanta. Are you stopping by Magic City for some chicken wings later? You know what? I did not get to Magic City last night. I am uh, going out for lunch now um, with a Hawks representative. And I, in honor of this, I will request um, that we go to Magic City for lunch. Now, I do not know if they're open. It's a ho- it I, is I, a, holiday. Know, it's a holiday. Yes. So I don't know. But I will uh, request uh, some lemon pepper chicken. Uh, at Magic City uh, for lunch today. We'll see, uh, and I will report back next week on how that goes. Yes, I was about to say, we'll f- certainly ask you about it uh, <laughs> next Friday on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, and then you can report back as well next Sunday on Sunday Karma. Yeah, um, and, and again, I just think the unselfishness, like, you know, Brooke Lopez, I think we saw it in Game 5, Brooke Lopez could be a featured star, <laughs> you know, in this league yeah. on certain teams. You know, and the way he has, you know, committed defensively and as a floor spacer through most of his Bucks career. I mean, it, there's just so so much to love about this team, and that's why I'm saying instead of uh, freaking out about the finals now, just enjoy the next three days, and uh, and then uh, we're gonna have an NBA Finals in Milwaukee. And again, you talk about the economic impact. Um, those 25,000 people you're talking about, you know, those people are so much more likely now to want to live and work in Milwaukee long term as compared to going to Chicago or feeling like you need to go to another city to be able to experience things like that. So 
this is real jobs, economic impact, and all this stuff, and just so much fun uh, for all of us. One week from today, Craig, we're going to have an NBA Finals game in Milwaukee. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is awesome. Yep, thanks for joining me, Craig. Craig Carmazin, this is, I mean, I don't know why he's thanking me. This is his show. I'm just kind of keeping his seat warm as he was, uh, you know, he was big time. He went to Atlanta. Who can blame him? He was there to watch the Bucks clinch their first trip to the NBA Finals since 1974. Another person who was down there and that was frantically booking his flight to Phoenix is friend Eric Name of The Athletic. We're going to talk with him next on Sunday Karma. This is Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. Bucks lead by seven. Back to Middleton. To the corner. Tucker. A three. P.J. for 3J. His first three of the game. 116-106 Bucks. That's when I knew it was over. When P.J. hit that three to put the Bucks up by 10 with just over a minute to go, of course, the Bucks punched their ticket to the NBA Finals, winning in Atlanta last night. 118-107 was the final. Joining Sunday, Carmen, now to discuss this further, it is Eric Name of The Athletic. I, Eric, this still hasn't like sunk in for me, um, that the Bucks are actually in the Finals. Like, I just can't. Like it's it's just hard to still imagine, hard to still fathom at this point. But how how in the world did they do this with no Giannis Adetokounmpo in the last two games? Yeah, I mean, I think James Christian Middleton had a whole lot to do with it. Um, you really, when you think of some of the more impressive playoff performances that we've seen in in recent Bucks history, obviously Chris has had some of those. Giannis has had some of those, but. I mean, to have two 20-point quarters in the same series is, is honestly just ridiculous. Like, that isn't something that happens. Like, a 20-point quarter isn't really normal. And Middleton managed to have one last night in the third quarter that, you know, just broke apart the game and, and really demoralized the Hawks. Obviously, they, they obviously tried to fight back and make a comeback late in that one, but it wasn't just it wasn't enough and then obviously he does it in game three as well and I mean I just thought the the poise in which he played with and just his ability to hit tough shots it's always been there I think it's always been something that Bucks fans uh fail to appreciate because when he's missing shots it looks like he's forcing shots and it looks like he's taking bad shots and and those are easy things to complain about. Or, you know, he gets a little bit sloppy with the basketball. And we saw that in the first half last night where he had five turnovers. The, those things happen, and the the bad is always uh, viewed as better than the good. And and in this series, the good far outweighed the bad. And, and I just thought Chris Middleton was fantastic in this series. If I ever hear another Bucks fan call into a show or tweet at me, or tweet at you about how Chris Middleton doesn't come through in the postseason, there are going to be fists. 
some knuckle sandwiches are going to be thrown, my friend, because like you just mentioned, two twenty-point quarters in the same series. Like he's he's done it three times now, where he scored twenty points in a quarter in his postseason career. It, but it's not just Chris last night, and he was such a big part of it. Like, we were just talking with Craig Carmison, and literally everybody had like a moment in last night's game, which is what you need in order to overcome having a two-time MVP out for a clinching game in a conference final. Yeah, and I mean, it really feels like that's been the story of their last two clinching games. Like, I remember talking to Craig on this show um, after the Bucks beat the Nets in, you know, one game seven, and we were talking about, you know, each of the moments and each guy that played managed to do something. And, I mean, I have been as critical of Mike Boonholzer playing Jeff Teague any sort of minutes at any time, as anyone, uh, maybe more vocal than anyone. And in 12 minutes, Jeff Teague scores 11 points, goes three of three from the three-point line, and was big. Like, th- those, those points all mattered, especially in the night where the, the Bucks weren't shooting the three well in the first half. Pat I think, Connaughton. Eric, but. I think every time he shot the ball, all three of his three-point attempts, I just went, why? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> and then all of them go in. So it's like, hey, shut up, Gabe. You don't have no, you have no idea what you're doing. Jeff Teague's a good shooter. He's going to knock down these threes. Yeah, I mean, in everyone's face. Uh, you know, Pat Connaughton does the thing Pat does where he just hits big shots. Uh, he goes three of six from the three-point line. And you I think that's and really down. important, too, because like bringing Pat Connaughton back, that was such a move that confused people in, like... I mean, John Horst was panned for it because we didn't know the details of the contract. And for Pat to play the way that Pat really did all season long and throughout the playoffs, yeah, there were a couple of clunkers in there, but everyone's going to have a clunker every now and then. Like, Pat's served a role and I think has kind of earned everything that he's gotten. Yeah, I mean, he's been fantastic throughout this postseason. Like, as the Bucks are shaving down a rotation, he's always in it. Like, when they go from uh, an a nine-man rotation to an eight-man rotation to a seven-man rotation to a six-man rotation against the Nets. Pat is in the six. Uh, when when you need a closeout game last night, he plays 30 minutes. I, I thought he was he's fantastic as well. Um, and, I mean, it goes without saying that the starters are, are good basketball players and played well, but I just thought it was so impressive. Um, you know, the, the trio of big men that they used and – these last two games, they decided to start a really large lineup. Like, to go Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, P.J. Tucker, that is big in today's NBA. And then on top of that, the Bucks didn't just go big. They said, we're going to go big and we're going to switch everything with them. Which, again, if you're big, you don't think of that as a switchable lineup. And I just thought those three played their roles so well um, where they were able to switch on the guards. They were able to keep those guys in front of them. They were able to force them into jumpers. And there were obviously times where guys got passed and got to the rim and, and were able to make plays. But, you know, for the most part, those three really held up. And because they were able to do that defensively, offensively, they could just destroy the glass. Like they, the, And that's something that, has been a really interesting adjustment to see from from the Bucks this last year, because for the first two seasons, I guess honestly the first three seasons, 
Mike Bunholzer has punted on offensive rebounds. That's, that's always been what he's done. You want to get back in transition. You want to play great defense. So you got to get back in transition defense. And you just punt offensive rebounds. And they did it a lot the first two seasons. This year with the dunker spot, they got to do it a little bit more. But in the playoffs, they've gone all in on grabbing offensive rebounds. And teams have really struggled with it. And I just think it's such a credit to those three guys. And obviously Middleton with the 32-4-7 and seven and Holiday with the 27-9-9 nine and nine are going to stand out from last night. But those other three starters all just getting on the glass and all defending, uh, I thought just did so much. You mentioned P.J. Tucker's. We talk with Eric Name of The Athletic here. On Sunday Karma, I'm Gabe Knight, so cousin selling for Craig at 94.5 ESPN. And when I think of P.J., Homer each and every week, and you can listen to Homer and Tony between 2 and 4 weekdays here on 94.5 ESPN, they have Tim Van Voren from Fox 6 Sports on every Thursday. And he was on before Game 3 of the Brooklyn series. Bucks were down 0-2 in that series. And P.J. Tucker had been... I mean. He, he, he was just kind of not, a non-factor up until that point. And he had made the point, TVV did, that this was the third year in a row that the Bucks made a midseason acquisition where they just didn't really matter, didn't factor in. And it's amazing how the narrative now on P.J. Tucker can change in the matter of 11 games because he has been such a big reason why the Bucks were able to win four out of five against the Nets and then win in six against the Hawks. Yeah, it. It's really interesting, too, because, you know, we got to game three of that net series. And obviously, during the playoffs, I'm always thinking about adjustments and things that you want to do or you should do or, you know, what the Bucks should be thinking about. And that was a spot where it felt like the Bucks had a real decision to make. Like, is P.J. Tucker going to be able to be playable in this series? Like, Kevin Durant was still scoring on him. Uh, it didn't really look like they were making it that tough on Durant in the first two games. And to P.J.'s credit, um, I mean, he just flipped the switch in games three and four where he was super physical with Durant. And obviously he needed a little bit of help from the officials to let him play that way. Um, but he, he flipped it there. And from that point, he, he's really put together a, a great postseason. And, it, and to me, the surprising thing has been, yeah, there have been some corner threes. That's always what people know P.J. for. But it really has been all of the other stuff. Like, there are times where, you know, I follow a lot of basketball nerds on Twitter. Um, and a lot of them will be like, blank team, whether it's the Hawks or the Nets, like, are not covering P.J. Tucker. They do not care what he's doing at all on the offensive end. This is an absolute killer for the Bucks. And all you can think about is, on the other end, he's a killer for the other team. Like, he, he's, he's covering Trey Young. He's covering Kevin Durant. He's the switch guy. He's, he can do all these things that make the Bucks really difficult to beat. And uh, it, it is crazy to think back to, to that point where, you know, I was thinking in my head, like, you know what, maybe this isn't for P.J. Like, maybe it's, it's kind of passed him by a little bit, and he's not going to be able to do this. And instead, the, the team rallied around him and, you know, really dug their heels in and let him go to work against Kevin Durant, and, and he's been fantastic ever since. Before we let you go, I mean, you when it when it comes to Giannis Adetokounmpo, you have broken some of the bigger news around Giannis in his career. 
And I'm sure if you had actual news, you would have you know reported it by now. But in it, just any sort of feeling on his availability for Game One of the NBA Finals, in which the Bucks are playing, and I still can't believe I'm saying that on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I think with him, I, I thought the the designation of doubtful for this series. Sorry, for the Eastern Conference Finals, excuse me, was really, like, it told you what you needed to know. And uh, I think so often, you know, like, the thought is, oh, you know, I saw this injury, I know it's going to be bad. Or I know Giannis cannot recover from that. Like, that hyperextended knee, it was a nasty injury. And, you know, I actually, I ran into Jim Paschke, um, before game five in one of the hallways and we were talking about it and we circled like the same thing. There was a game we were trying to figure out what year it was, but it, it was back in the Bradley center. Matthew Delavidova was on the team and Giannis and Delhi both turned their ankle in the same game. And Giannis missed two days. Delhi missed two months. And the, the the injuries looked quite similar. And that was the moment where, to me, it kind of crystallized that, like, hey, this dude is not human. Like, there there is something about this dude and the way that he heals that he's just going to be, to be fine. And, again, maybe we, one day I will be proven wrong. But that day has not yet come. And, and I just, from there, you know, Jim and I were talking about, well, before the league shut down, Giannis took what I thought was the most violent fall I've ever seen in his career against the Lakers. And I told him as much after the game. And, you know, he played, he played through it. He finished the game, did whatever, because um, it happened late. And, you know, it looked really bad. It looked really bad. And, you know, he was going to play six days later. He sat out the rest of that road trip, and then he was going to be ready to go when they got back from the West Coast road trip for the Celtics on, on, I guess it would be March 13th, and then obviously the, the world shut down and it didn't happen. But he was ready to go for that. And I just, to me, that's always been the thing, is that Giannis is going to heal quicker and, and be in a, a better spot than you could ever imagine because there is something about that dude that is really special and, and something that you know allows him to do those things. So when you go through kind of where he's at, I thought the doubtful designation was really important because it showed that one, there is some hope that he's coming back. And if there is some hope that he's coming back, you know, he is probably going to come through at some point. And, you know, Drew Holiday said it last night. He's like, knowing Giannis, how I know Giannis, like he's probably going to play at some point in this series. And again, you never know exactly when it'll be. And we're not sure if it's going to be, you know, the game one or game two, game three, whatever. But if Giannis can get on the floor, he's going to get on the floor. And I can assure you, he is, you know, they landed last night. And I I can assure you, he has been working all day to get his body right and to get himself ready to go and back on the floor. All right. Well, now I'm officially excited for game one of the NBA Finals. (laughs) Good. Man, I... If he plays in game one, Eric, like, I, 
and I, I just listened. I heard everything you just said. I just I can't wrap my brain around it. All right, my friend, I appreciate the time. I know you've got now a flight that you need to catch in order to get out to Phoenix because of a quick turnaround. So I appreciate you taking time and joining us this morning on Sunday Karma. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, buddy. Eric Name of The Athletic. Check out all of his great work, again, at The Athletic, and he has written some pretty tremendous articles. He also, a uh, great follow on Twitter, at Eric underscore name. Uh, Eric covers the Bucks for The Athletic. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about this, and I, I had been struggling with this and having it sink in, and I think I had the moment that the Bucks are in the finals sink in during this show. I'll tell you when that moment was next on Sunday Karma. It's Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin on ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. It started with a whisper. Six to shoot, driving out to the corner. Connaughton to the three. Got it! Pat Connaughton with the biggest shot of the game from the right corner. 105 to 92 bucks. Bucks tried to make it interesting. Bucks held them off, and the Bucks are heading to the NBA Finals. That was Ted Davis on the Bucks Radio Network. Bucks heading to the finals. I still cannot believe that I'm saying that. The Bucks one in six. That is only the second time, by the way, in franchise history the Bucks have actually won a series in six games. They did it last night in Atlanta. And the moment where it really sunk in for me, because it's been kind of surreal. I watched the game last night with some friends and, and was really excited. Um, but the friends I was watching with, I, I was up in the Sheboygan area and, and had to come back down here. So it just didn't really, I don't know if it just didn't sink in. And, and when Craig Karmazin joined this show, and this is Sunday Karma, I'm Gabe Neitzel filling in and, and the Cousins of the Day for Craig. When I said one week from today, there's going to be an NBA Finals game right here in Milwaukee. That's when it sunk in. Like, we're going to have an NBA Finals game in this city. Like, last summer was supposed to be the summer in Milwaukee, a potential finals because the Bucks were so good. The DNC coming in. After that, the state would still be on display because of the Ryder Cup. Well, I mean, the DNC came and went because the election obviously still went on, but we still have the Ryder Cup coming up this fall. We still now get that NBA Finals just a year later, and it's coming one week from today when the Bucks host the Phoenix Suns in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Wisconsin's hometown pizza is Palermo's, and they've partnered with Wisconsin's own NASCAR driver, Josh Balicki, at the upcoming NASCAR Cup Series race today. At Road America, Balicki is driving the number 52 car with a full takeover from Palermo's brand, Screamin' Sicilian Premium Frozen Pizza. So if you're watching the race, that's what you need to be keeping out an eye out for, the number 52 car with Screamin' Sicilian Premium Frozen Pizza. If Balicki wins the race today, Wisconsin residents will get free Screamin' Sicilian Pizza. Learn more at palermospizza.com slash free Screamin'. And look, I understand... It's the 4th of July, and cookout is clearly the traditional way to go. But NASCAR and Palermo's, like, that's going to go well together, just like the Bucks and Palermo's. Make sure you pick up some Palermo's at your local grocery store. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. Speaking of Palermo's, it's time to make some picks. It's that time. Yes, it's finally here. Craig makes his picks of the week. You can bet the house on Picks of the week on Sunday Karma with Craig Karmazin. Presented by Palermo's Pizza, Wisconsin's hometown pizza. Can't wait to see what happens next. On ESPN Wisconsin and WisconsinOnDemand.com. First of all, this isn't going to be really more of a prediction. This is more of a shout-out. Like, shout-out to the Milwaukee Brewers because they've been doing some work. They've won 11 in a row. And I know, uh, you know, uh, George Webb's got some burgers out there. If the Brewers end up winning today, I believe it's 12 in a row and, and free burgers get out there. So the Brewers have been doing some work. 
While we've all been focusing on the Bucks in the conference finals, you can listen to the Brewers this afternoon over on News Radio 620 WTMJ. But there's really only one series, one thing that's still on our mind in the special edition of Sunday Karma, and that's the NBA Finals. Got to make some predictions for the NBA Finals. I'm still hopeful that Giannis ends up playing. I don't know if he plays game one. Maybe they make it end up making a game two. And they're going to have a quick quick turnaround as well. I was just joking with Eric Dame, who joined the program, that he's got a quick turnaround. He came back. He is leaving from O'Hare. He's got to get a COVID test so he can participate in media day uh, down in Phoenix. So that's coming up. Like, it's a quick turnaround. you got to fly back from Atlanta. Now you're playing game one Tuesday. So I don't know if Giannis plays game one. Maybe it's not game two. But if they can still just find a way to split that, can you imagine Pfizer Forum a week from today if Giannis is announced in that starting lineup after what we all feared could potentially be not just a postseason ending injury, but a next season ending injury as well because of a potential torn ACL? Luckily, no structural damage, so that's not the issue. I think Giannis plays in this series. And with the momentum that the Bucks have and with Giannis playing the way that he has been playing, I mean, I feel really good about the Bucks' chances. And yeah, the Suns are a great team. I mean, David Booker has played unbelievably well. Chris Paul, clearly a sentimental favorite across the league because he's played in most fine he's played the most games without playing appearing in the finals. Like second most ever all time. Unbelievable amount. And and DeAndre Ayton has really come into his own. But Chris Middleton is as underrated of a player as there is. And people are going to continue to underrate him. We saw what Brooke Lopez can do when his number is called. We've seen what Drew Holiday can do. I think they can keep, maybe steal one in Phoenix. Get Giannis back in the lineup. Which means one thing and one thing only. There's only one prediction to be made here for the Bucks and the Suns in the finals. It's Bucks and Six. It's always Bucks and Six. There's only one way this can end, just like there was only one way for the Bucks to get to the finals, and that was Bucks in Six. Enjoy the 4th of July, everybody. Enjoy the NBA Finals. This has been Sunday Carmel.